Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. My name better come next. <laughs> you guys, some of our nearest, dearest heroes are fresh in from Chili Holland. Can you welcome Jennifer and Leif? Oh, how we love you. <laughs> you know, I really felt like as a community, we, we were just supposed to pray together for our team in Mexico. I, I've just had this expectation in my heart every time I've heard them talk about this trip that this is just uh, a marking moment for all of us. And we get to be a part by just extending our faith in the upgrade that's happening for our community. So why don't we just all stand up and let's just pray some wild prayers that, that we wish somebody would pray over our life. <laughs> let's pray some some prayers that, man, if these come true, we're all done for, okay? So let's just all lift our voices together, and we just bless what's going on in Mexico right now. We just say yes and amen to a shift, a shift of season. We just say yes and amen to a marking moment. We pray for Steve and Lindy and Lauren and Rachel and and Tracy and David and the entire team that they would find themselves so undone that they cannot get up off the floor. We pray from the top of their heads to the tip of their toes that there would be such a fresh outpouring of your presence that their lives are marked forever. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this hour, and we just get our hopes wildly up, ridiculously up, and we just thank you that this is a strategic trip, and we bless the signs, wonders, and miracles. We bless the apostolic commissioning. We just thank you, Jesus, for a marking in the spirit that will leave this community changed forever, and we just extend our faith for whatever you're doing in their lives personally that they would be left changed forever. We just say upgrade, 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 upgrade. We just bless you, Mexico. We say rise up into your destiny. Rise up, arise and shine. Your king has come. Increase, Jesus, increase. We bless that ministry from the top of its head to the tip of its toes. We say increase, increase, increase in every way. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and everybody says, Amen. So fun. It's just so fun to be a part of a community that's just getting sent every which way, just with a value and a heart for the kingdom. Our very own Blake Healy on Friday 
is heading to Texas for a conference with Dutch Seats and James Gall. Like, really big deal. So exciting. So just point your hand towards him and say, increase, increase, increase. Yeah, we just, we live amongst heroes. Look at your neighbor and say, I just live amongst heroes. Wow. <laughs> so good. Well, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians 2, uh, verse 19. We're going to start. So, you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. The best, and best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I just want to talk a little bit uh, tonight about the purpose of all of this. That what a beautiful passage that we, the people of God, are being laid brick by brick, joined together, being, being built into the dwelling place of the living God. That you yourself right now are under construction and the point of all the construction in your life is to be a dwelling place of the living God, that you would host the holy of holies, that the kingdom would no longer be some, in some building that, that we go and we knock on the door, that it would no longer be in some geographical location, but the kingdom would be within you so that wherever we show up, the king shows up. And, you know, we can never host the measure of presence that the people of God are intended to house without being joined one to another. And that it's, it's each of us laying brick by brick, taking our place in the house of God that is intended to carry the weight of his glory. And, and we can't carry that weight all on our own. That it, it, it is intended, his heart smiles when we are joined together in this one pursuit of being under construction as a dwelling place, the holy of holies. And I remember this one time hearing Chris Valentin say he was crying out in his bedroom for weeks, Lord, give me the mantle of William Branham. 
Lord, give me the mantle of William Branham. And, and William Branham is one of the heroes in our revival history faith. And he would, he would put his hand on sick people and the disease would show up on his hand. Like his word of knowledge was crazy accurate. And, and Chris was saying, I've seen that mantle drop in a generation. Give me the mantle of William Branham. And weeks later, the father spoke to him in his prayer time and said, if I put that mantle on you, it will crush you like it crushed him. And he had a moment of inspiration. And he said, then put it on an entire generation so I don't stick out like a sore thumb. Put it on a generation so we can all carry it well, so we can run and not get weary, so we won't be crushed by the weight of your glory, by the reality of your kingdom. And the heart of heaven is that an entire generation, an entire church would arise and shine in her destiny of hosting the glory. That there's no greater mandate on our life than to value the presence as our supreme goal, as our supreme destination. And when you get more, I win. When, when, when I get more, you win. Because the water level starts to rise when we join together and there's no cracks in our wall. And, you know, this, this entire metaphor is talking about children who've gotten comfortable at home. It, it starts out with you are children of the house of God. That you, we get to have permission that what is being built inside of us is the reality of sonship, the reality of identity. And you know, in the Old Testament, Nehemiah stepped in to walls that had been torn down, to walls that had been burnt down. The literal city of God, Jerusalem, had crumbled to the ground. And they, they literally, all, all the people ran to the walls. And it says they worked from sun up to sundown, diligently giving their best to rebuild these walls. And, you know, in Isaiah, he prophesied in Isaiah 61 about the spirit of the Lord is upon me, prophesied about the mandate of Jesus, that I'm going to preach the good news to the poor, that the brokenhearted are going to be restored, the blind are going to see, that we're going to get a mantle of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And then it says, and they will rebuild the ruined cities, the devastations from former generations. And, and no longer are we working to rebuild a physical, natural wall. We are rebuilding an identity, an internal identity of who our true father is, brick by brick. What's been been torn down from generations of violation, from generations of abandonment and fatherlessness. We are rebuilding brick by brick in a reality of who we really are, of our actual place in the city of God, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And, and everything in your life right now that the Lord is putting his finger on, that you feel stretched, you you feel pressure. It's all pushing you to lay some bricks. 
It's all pushing you from morning to night that you would be resurrecting within yourself identity for the holy of holies to rest because of all the things the Lord could have given us to show us his glory he gave us a son for unto us a son is given and of all the ways he could have manifested his nature he manifested it in a son and Jesus looked at his church and said as the father has sent me so I am sending you manifest my nature show a dying room a dying world that there's room at the table that I've got a place for you that that the hopelessness that comes from generations of devastation have a resting place in a father that the the devastation of lack and betrayal of offense and pain and true violation of love generation after generation let them see your face so they can see there's a father there's a father there's a way to build your internal world around a father and you know the I love this analogy that I read in one of John Maxwell's leadership books years ago and he said that there was this scene of uh, a ton of men just out working laying bricks in the heat of the day they were all sweating And he went up to the first guy laying bricks, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just laying bricks. And he went to the next guy, and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a wall. And he went to the third guy, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a massive cathedral. And, you know, our perspective on process is intended to have the end goal in mind that you are being built together to be a dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, that the pain becomes worth it, that the process becomes worth it, because one little brick at a time, one choice in the right direction, if you have a devastation in your integrity, and it's easy to lie, (laughs) everybody laugh. Just a little white lie. It's not a big deal. That's fruit of years of devastation. That, That telling a little lie becomes easy. And we have to get the end goal in mind. I'm becoming a dwelling place for the spirit of truth. I can't handle the weight of glory if I got a crack in my integrity. I got a crack in my wall. And so we pay a price to tell the truth. We pay a price through our sweat, blood, and tears that I'm going to break a habit that's probably been in my family line for hundreds of years because I have a father. And, and the whole process process is transforming us from orphans into sons. And every process in your soul where he is pushing you to begin to lay foundations, if it's easy for you to yell and get angry, you're stepping into rubble. You're stepping into a place where a wall has been burnt down. And there's no shame or guilt. There's destiny. You're stepping into your hour in history where you, you just like Nehemiah, you weep over how was this handed down for so many years? How did we get here? Lord, send me. And you fill up your space and you say, I'm going to change this. I'm going to start sowing kindness in my 
generational line. I'm going to start sowing patience in my generational line. I'm going to attack that thing that says, oh, it doesn't really matter. No, I'm being prepared to carry the weight of glory. It matters. It all really matters. And, you know, the greatest transition in my life, again and again, even areas that I'm working through right now, my greatest breakthrough constantly comes from realigning to the reality, I have a father. I have a father. It's all rooted back somewhere in my soul that I'm thinking like an orphan. And our breakthrough is intended to come from the realization, I have a father. I'm not an orphan. I'm not, I don't have to beg. I don't have to lie. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to take what I need. I have a father. And, you know, I, I just felt like I just wanted to release five little signs that you might be thinking like an orphan. <laughs> it's helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for you. <laughs> so insignificant. I felt like a tiny pea under the mattress, you know? <laughs> like, like, I'm like, you know, there, there's this very specific class when our leader had opened up the microphone and um, she just said, I just want people just to start coming up to the mic and I just want you to pray something over the mic. And, you know, people were going up there and I mean, it's basically like angels are manifesting. Fire is bellowing from their mouth. They're shaking like literal glory clouds surrounding around them. You know, like, are you levitating? I feel like you're levitating. And I'm like, I'm like sitting in the corner just thinking, I'm definitely not going up there. Like, everything that could be said has already been said. I could not say that better, and I definitely won't levitate while I say it. 
And I just remember sitting back there and I just said nothing. That, that whole class, really for like two and a half years, I basically said nothing. And uh, the Lord started taking me on a journey of, you know, that's how orphans think. They think they have to be the most profound to say something. They think they have to have the most revelation to say something. They think they have to be the best in the room to have value. But when you live in a house with a father, you don't stand out because you're the best. <laughs> you stand out because you're his. <laughs> and you say it because your father's listening. <laughs> and when a son or a daughter says something to a father, it does something inside of your soul. You know, when I became a mom, like, who are these little people erupting things in my soul that I never knew existed, you know? Like, literal, they would take weeds from the yard that I've stepped on my whole life without even noticing. And there's still dirt coming off the bottom. And they drag it all the way into the house, sprinkling dirt as it comes with a huge smile. This is for you, Mom. I picked it. It's a flower. <laughs> And the joy that erupts in my soul, that is the most beautiful dirt weed I have ever seen. You just put that in a vase. That is going on the table. Honey, did you see our dirt weed from her? Nobody's ever given us a dirt weed like that. You know, the, when they say, I love you, you could have people say, I love you for 55 years. And when a child says, I love you, something melts inside of your soul. And what you have to contribute means the world to your father. He's not a business owner. He's not an entrepreneur. He's, he's not taking notes at what you need to do better, pass or fail. He's a father. Did you see what she just said? Did you see the way she just tripped? Nobody trips like my kid, <laughs> you know? And until we realize we contribute as sons and daughters, the world will never get the best of us. Because we contribute, we say it because our father's listening. We step up to the table, not because it's needed, but because it's wanted. <laughs> and in the kingdom, we give and give and give from a place of realizing I'm wanted. What I have is wanted. It's not, it's not the best in the room. It's not the greatest in the room. I am his. That's, that's what matters. Number two, if, if others have more, I have less. And, you know, uh, everyday orphans that are living with, without fathers, they're not wishing someone would buy them more toys. <laughs> they're not wishing for more anointing. They're not wishing for greater gifts. They're, they're not wishing for things. <laughs> orphans dream about what it would be like to have a father. What would it be like to have presence? What would it be like to have access and, you know, the world thinks in a way that my value is shown by how much I have, by how much I've given. 
But in the kingdom, it is not about equal treatment. We don't know we're loved because the Father has given us all these blessings. <laughs> because sometimes you stand next to someone, you're like, I have 250 talents, you know? And then you stand next to somebody else, you're like, I have 0.5 talents. I have 0.5 talents, maybe 0.3, you know? And there's literal parables about people not being given equal amount of talents. And, you know, in the Father's house, our place of identity isn't in equal treatment. It's in equal access. <laughs> that we all get the same measure of his presence. We all get equal, unending, have as much of me as you want. And when we start to measure the love of our Father based on what we have compared to someone else, we've missed the greatest gift of all. <laughs> and this is what the prodigal father, you know, uh, story is showing us in the Bible that the younger son goes out and he leaves the presence of the greatest treasure he had been living with morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night, continual access in the father's house. And he leaves on a journey seeking something else. And, and you know, then he comes back and we find the older brother, which we could just relate to both of them, you know. It's helpful. It's helpful to find ourselves in scripture. Oh, there I am. There I am. That's me out in the field. There I am. And, you know, the, the older brother is jealous and upset because of the, the ring and the robe and the goat and the party and the dancing and the music. And I, I've been in your house all these years serving you diligently. And I've never once had any of those things. And, and the father's response is a rudder to our life. It's a rudder to our journey in sonship. You have always been with me. You have always been with me. You have always had all the access to my presence that you could ever want. You've always had unending. You can run up to me anytime, day or night. I live in the same house as you. All that's mine is yours. You know, and it is in our DNA to value presence above all else. And we see it in children. One of the greatest childlike qualities that we have to become like to inherit the kingdom is a value for presence. I, I don't think I've went to the bathroom myself in 12 years because of the natural value for presence. It's like everywhere, oh, there you are. You're still there. <laughs> there you are. You are everywhere I am. Is <laughs> basically the story of my life. And you know that that is a pure and beautiful childlike quality that comes from our father. And you know when I when when they show up on the scene and they lay that little baby on your chest if you're a woman and you delivered the baby if not, you're high-fiving your wife vigorously on the side because she is a superhero. And, um, you know, nobody asked, nobody asked for a party. Nobody asked to go dancing. Nobody, nobody asked for a, go, a ring, a robe. 
their most natural response is I need your nearness. Your nearness will be my good. Your nearness will cause me to grow. I actually can't survive without your presence. And there's a dependency in a childlike nature that is our portion. And that is the way we enter into greater glories of sonship. Your presence is my good. So it's not, it's not equal treatment where we get our confirmation that I am a son, I am a daughter. We don't look at our life and point to things to prove our place in the Father's house. We look at the Father to prove our place in the Father's house. Uh, number three, my performance makes me stand out. <laughs> you know, when we're dealing with a fear of failure, it's, it's really just an orphan mindset that's trying to sneak up in there. Because we think that if we fail, our value drops. If we fail, our, our identity drops. But, you know, your, your performance is not what makes you stand out. It, it, it is because you belong to him that you stand out. And, you know, I went to, I went to soccer games where my child's performance definitely did not make them stand out. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, what is, she, what is she doing out there? Like, she's literally picking daisies while they're playing soccer around her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> one time one of them was in, no, no one's in the room, so just keep this between us, okay? I'll say, oh, I heard you were a terrible soccer player. <laughs> hey, but you belong to me, so I'll take you. Um, in, in a crowd of 10,000, we, we sing that song, you know, you stand out because you belong to him. And when I am searching a sea of people and they're all awesome, I'm not there. When I, when I show up to a performance my children are in, I'm not looking. I'm going to watch whoever's the best here. Whoever's the best, I'm going to just zone in and I'm going to take them home. Who, whoever, who, who, whoever does the best job in this play, I'm going to take home with me tonight. I'm going to love them, nurture them. They're going to have access to me. No, no, like, I show up, and I look for the one who belongs to me. And I, I am watching the one who belongs to me, and I'm celebrating her like she hung the moon, not because she really did but because she's mine. And, you know, the Lord, I tell him all the time, I say, you are so biased, you know? Like, like you know, you, you color a picture, and you know it's terrible. You lost the coloring contest, you know? Like, you literally know, I just did a terrible job, you know? And, and then you walk into the presence of the Father, and he actually hung that picture on the refrigerator. And he's like telling all the, she's Picasso! I, my daughter, look, look at her! And you know, the rest of the world literally looks confused because he is confusing. He's so confusing. It, it doesn't make sense. But he adores you and you stand out not because of how gifted and anointed and talented you are, but because you have his DNA. He dreamt you up before the foundation of the world. He wanted kids. You know, and one day I was painting, because we've been painting for two and a half months straight without a life. 
And I, I heard the father say, I was dreaming, dreaming, dreaming. And I heard the father say, you know, I never dreamed of, of raising orphans. I always dreamed of raising sons. <laughs> and what a tragedy. What a tragedy when we don't step into the reality of what makes us special, the reality of what makes us unique, that you are the dream of your father. You are the dream of the one that you come from. And, and the level of your abandonment, your rejection, your story, all the pain in your life is intended to have a, a wall that's rebuilt in your life so that when the arrow of, of the enemy is trying to throw a fiery dart your way that says you're, you're abandoned. <laughs> you, you've rebuilt former devastations in your life, and you don't even feel that thing touch your soul anymore. I used to hear you were abandoned, and I, I would feel hopeless despair. And, and when you feel that hopeless despair, there's no shame, there's no guilt. It's an invitation to go to the wall and get busy rebuilding the walls of former devastations. I'm an orphan no longer. I belong. I have a, a generous, extravagant father. And, and we find that as, as we saturate ourselves in the reality of whose we are, those fiery darts, they're still getting thrown our way, but I don't even feel it. I don't even feel it. I, I'm behind the safety of a wall that's been rebuilt in the glory of his presence. Number four, I have to do it on my own. It's <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> you know, this year, I just keep hearing in my spirit over and over, it's about time you start living like an inheritance kid. <laughs> it's about time you show the world, world what a real inheritance kid looks like. It's about time to my people, to the children of God, to the living, holy of holies, the ones who host the presence of the Father. It's about time we show the world what a real inheritance kid looks like. Looks like the nature of Jesus. It looks like the extravagance of Jesus. And you know, the entitlement spirit is not fruit of too much of the sonship message. It can't be. It can't be because Jesus is the standard of the sonship message. Jesus is our standard. And he didn't have an inch, an ounce, a speck of entitlement in him. So the sonship message actually produces in us the real fruit of sonship, the unveiling of a father. And when we fill up our space honoring what Jesus has done and not trying to work for it, but we actually honor the fathers who have went before us, that every brick they have laid, that we're not looking at what they haven't done. We're looking at, look what they did. I wouldn't be where I am today without the fathers and mothers who have gone before, spending their life laying a brick, blood, sweat, and tears, rebuilding the debris of former devastation. And, and we step into inheritance by having a mindset that says, I, I am in the line of a history that's doing a great work for God. And you know, when Sanballat came to Nehemiah, 
And he kept trying to get him to come down from that wall. He would say, I am doing a great work from God. I don't have time to come down and talk to you. And, you know, our mindset on inheritance and that I'm not working to earn everything I have in my life. I'm stepping in the wake of a legacy that has been brewing from before time began. I'm stepping into a wake of history that's on my side, men and women of the faith. And we don't honor them well by by pretending we're going to do it so much better. (laughs) We honor them well by filling up our space of honoring what they've done and where they've got us on the wall up to this point. So we we don't do it on our own. Number five, it's hard to trust the Father. (laughs) If we're having those type of thoughts, those aren't coming from sons. Because when you look at children, you don't, you don't ever sit them down and, and pull out a flow chart and say, here are the five steps to trusting your parents. Okay? Number one, number two, number three. No, it, it's innately in them to trust us. It, it's innately in them. I just, I trust my parents. And that has to be violated by a violation of love. That has to be violated. The most pure posture is it's effortless to trust you. <laughs> and, you know, you know, uh, we, a couple years ago, we took our kids to Disney World. Laura was just there with her kids. And it, it was this, we made it a big surprise. So we, we woke them up early in the morning and they, they didn't know what was happening. It was dark. And um, we, we said, we're going to Disney World. And they all screamed and jumped, you know. And we got in the car. And, like, probably, like, two hours down the road, our youngest was like, where are we going again? Home Depot? We're going to Home Depot? <laughs> I'm like, she thinks we're, she just celebrated, like, cheered, danced around the whole house. And she's thinking we're going to Home Depot. <laughs> you know? And... They just go, we just get in the car and they just go wherever we take them. And, you know, the nature of trust is that it's not as important as where we're going, as who we're going with. (laughs) It's not as important that all these circumstances work out exactly as I imagine. What is the most important is that the Father will be there. My greatest joy will be there. The nature of my father is waiting for me. And and you know what? The whole nature of trust is you don't know what's going on. (laughs) You know? Disney World, Home Depot. We're not really sure. (laughs) You know? Six months from now, how this is going to work out. You know, we wouldn't need trust if we knew every detail of our life. And the nature of trust is that it's very uncertain. And just when you think, I've got this figured out, it's like, whoa, that was a huge curveball. I did not see that coming. And sons don't rest in the knowledge of what's coming. They rest in knowing the nature of their father. Our peace doesn't come because I'm certain it's going to look just like this. Our peace comes because 
because I'm certain that he is good. I'm certain that he is kind. I'm certain that he has my best interest in mind. And I'm just going to enjoy the drive. I'm just going to enjoy the time together. And so why don't we just go ahead and all stand up. And so, Jesus, we just, we just say... We're signing up to be bricklayers. We're signing up for the building of this massive cathedral that your presence, the holy of holies, is being developed in our life. And that it's coming through sonship. It's coming through an awareness of who we belong to. That just like Jesus came with the number one mission to reveal the Father, we're waking up morning by morning with this one mission. I'm going to know you and reveal you. I'm going to know you and reveal you. I'm going to know you and reveal you. And that we're signing up to never change the subject. That just like Jesus in Acts, have you heard how he went about doing good, destroying all kinds of works of the devil because God was with him. That we're going to walk in the manifested presence of the Father. That we're going to behold your beauty and that any areas of our life where we have felt lids, we just turn our eyes off of those lids and we look at the unending access of your presence. That one place where there'll never be a lid. That one place where we'll never have a stop sign. That one place where favor is always granted. Where promotion and upgrade is always granted. Access to your nature. Access to your presence. So we've just we've given ourselves to live with eternity in mind in this one thing that eternal life is to know you. So we're signing up again to live with this one mandate. I'm a house for the Father. I'm a house for the Holy of Holies. And I'm joined in this temple. And together we're going to host greater measures of the manifested presence than any generation has ever seen before. And we're going to honor what they've built. We're going to honor the price that they've paid. We are becoming your dwelling place, Jesus. Jesus. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. And you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up, completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.